0: Last week, we talked about what it means to experience God. And we were reminded that God wants a relationship with us, with you, and that he will do his part to make that happen. We are also reminded that our experiences with God may not be how, when, where, or or why we expected. We looked at a couple biblical examples, in fact. And and it may be as dramatic as the burning bush, right, from Moses, or, or as soft as a whisper. It may be very obvious that we're in his midst, or or we may be completely unaware that God is here with us. A miraculous event or a gentle sense of peace as you realize that God is in control. So, as we begin this new message series on Calling from the Ground Up, we're going to look at some of the things God created and, and just a high level look at why. And the first thing we must ask is this what did God create? Anybody? This is usually what Becky yells. Every. <laughs> Everything. Everything. But how do you know that? Faith. Faith, yeah. So this is this is interesting. everybody knows that we've got way too many projects going on right now. And I finally raised my hand with a white flag as well. Eh. Um and so we had um, a couple wonderful young men uh, from the Mennonite community helping us out the last five weeks, I think. Five weeks, they've pretty much taken over and fixed everything that I've done. So it's been wonderful. Um, we are having this conversation and we're at this different level now where we have really good conversations and thanks to Al softening him up with his humor, I can usually banter with him a little bit too. Um, you guys have been subjected to it already so I won't put you through it anymore. But we're having this story and, and we pass this on and, and, and Isaac was in the front and he says, okay, from the ground up. And I said, yep, creation. He goes, creation, okay. Do you believe in dinosaurs? And I didn't know how to take that. I did not think that that was in question. I really didn't. You know, and I said, well, well, yeah, I believe in dinosaurs. I said, are you confusing that with, you know, the whole evolution versus creation? He goes, no. He goes, but I work with someone who believes in dinosaurs, and I, he was being completely serious. I had never thought about that being an issue. And, and, and we believe in dinosaurs. I mean, I do. Am I the only one? Okay, good. <laughs> this is like that Christmas conversation about saying that, you know. <laughs> um, we believe in dinosaurs because there's no faith required in that, right? I mean, a little bit of imagination, but no faith. I mean, I was a little surprised at the question. I, I realize if you don't see or hear or touch or smell, you know, experience it for yourself, then, then you must be taught it, right? We don't see dinosaurs rolling around. So, so we had to be taught that. And, and, um, and I realized, you know, again, that if, if you don't see it, if you don't experience something, someone has to tell you about it and you have to trust what they're telling you. And, and this curiosity is normal and healthy. And God created it within you, okay? Because it helps you to wonder at creation. Why is this this way? Why is it that way? Why does this thing work? You know? And more importantly, it causes us to wonder about Him. We're curious. Why are all these wonderful things? How does all this come together? And so God created this insatiable need to, to know and experience and trust and feel. And, and it's wonderful when it's used in the right way. But as you hear, see, and touch, and smell, you know, experience the world that he created around you, sometimes you say, wow, that is beautiful, right? We have a beautiful day today. We have beautiful flowers. And I don't know if you can count all the butterflies that are landing in the bushes out there and the flowers. It's amazing, or maybe say, "Hmm, I wonder why how that works the way it does." Or, "Ha, that's a weird-looking animal, right?" Or my favorite, "Whoa, well, why did you create those flying, stinging things?" <laughs> am I the only person who's never heard of a red wasp? <laughs> I am Marna You've heard of a red wasp, everybody? Okay. I only ask because when I share the story, let's be honest, um, Sherry tells the story. I. I usually just defend myself for the story. Al, you had a big kick-up out of the red wasp story, I know. But when I tell this, sounds like a baby, but whenever I share a story, someone goes, oh yeah, those things are painful. Like, and like, yeah, I didn't know they existed, and yes. And then when I explained how aggressive they are, like, well, yeah, they're aggressive. Like, I never even heard of these things. Well, not everyone knew that red wasps exist or that they are mean and hurt, but to me, they made my point that I learned about them by experiencing them. And, but I digress. We, we know the dinosaurs exist because someone told us about them, likely a school teacher, right? And we read about them in nonfiction books, and perhaps you saw a fossilized skeleton at a museum of, of a, a dinosaur, and you say, okay, it, it's there. I can experience it. But likewise, you know that God exists because someone in your past told you about him, and today hopefully someone is still, and that's part of my role, is teaching you about God. And you read about them in nonfiction books. In fact, it's the best nonfiction book ever written. All right? Roman 10.17 reminds us that Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. This is the word. Friends, you have access to the best book, the, the most thorough, onerous manual ever, and the most encouraging collection of words and guidance ever written, ever written. You've got it on your phone and in your your bookshelf and in the pew in front of you. Don't estimate it, underestimate it. Don't keep it closed, and by all means, don't keep it to yourself. But in that spirit, let's hear from the word what the answer to our question is. Hebrews 3, 4, it says, For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. John 1, 3, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made like this, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, we'll get into that a little later visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him that's Paul's words in Colossians 1.16, and next week we're going to talk a little further and deeper about the other things God created, we're just going to kind of stay high level right now with the earth and from this morning scripture, remember That Heather wrote, says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Formless and empty. There was nothing. That means that the answer to our question, what did God create, is, you're right, everything. Because before he did this, there was nothing. At least nothing that we can comprehend. And know this, only God can create something from Nothing. Even scientists who claim that the universe was created from nothing admit that that is impossible. And let me quote this. uh, Valenkin's calculations show that a universe created from nothing is likely to be tiny, indeed far, far smaller than, say, a proton. And then it goes on and says, Although a universe, in Valenkin's scheme, can come from nothing in the sense of there being no space, time, or matter, something is in place beforehand. So even if the most liberal definition of this other definition There was something that created. And who do you think creates something? And there's only one that can create something from nothing. Only God can create something from nothing. And God created everything. Even the things that we discover were his creation. Even the things we put together and devise and start figuring out a new way or a new medication or something started with something that he created, And it's put together and devised in our mind that he created. So why did he create all of this stuff? Well, when God created the world, he did not create it out of any need or weakness or deficiency on his part. Okay, He did not need to create it because he needed a crutch like this. so many people like to say about, about religion. He, he created it out of a completeness. He created it because he has strength and he has self-sufficiency. He could do this. And he just doesn't just call on you to do certain things because he has a weakness or a need or a deficiency. He doesn't tell you to stop sinning because he is weak. He tells us to stop, to avoid temptation because he knows we are. And he wants to see us free from our sin. He takes delight in our joy and happiness and peace and contentment. He doesn't invite us to talk to him through our prayer because he's bored and waiting to hear from someone. He knows that we need to unburden ourselves from the troubles from what troubles us. And he wants us to share what excites us. And he wants to hear from us just like any good father would. And I'm sure you can think of many other examples of God's strength that we rely on. And I'd like you to consider these examples throughout this week as you go about your life. I challenge you to think about the reason that God created what you were seeing or doing or even the situation you're facing, good or bad. Think about what it could be. Jeremiah 32, 17 contains these words. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and actual charm. Nothing is too hard for you. And that is truly a statement written in wonder and awe. Sovereign Lord, amazing. You, you've made all this stuff with your great power and your actual charm. Nothing is too hard for you. Ecclesiastes 3, 11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. You've probably heard this verse. But he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He has devised you to exist forever. Not in this form. Okay, This form took me many years of unhealthy living to develop. God's has a form. That was a joke. God has a form that goes beyond this. you know. And he has set eternity in our hearts. We know, even if we don't... You know, people can't put or don't want to put a word to it and say heaven or what happens next or I don't believe... He's put this within us. We know there's more than what we're seeing doing. Okay, he's put this, and it says, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So we don't have all the answers. We may not be promised to get all the answers. When you get to heaven, you know, maybe you're thinking, I've got this list of things I really want God to tell me and maybe even answer for. But I am convinced that I'm going to be so excited to be there, I'm like, ah, who cares why that did that? You know, I'm just so glad to be here. Reunited with families and friends who have gone before with God. But as God has created everything, and He's created it for this purpose, then we have a responsibility. Like everything, we have a responsibility to act and to respond. You know, you can't understand responsibility without understanding the purpose. And we already read from Scripture that we won't know all the answers to this question, but we do have some knowledge. From Genesis 1, 29 through 30, this is all the way back to the beginning, God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it. Going deeper than the explanation that, that it is food, God said, I give to you. I give to you. I created this for you. It is a gift. What do you do with a gift? You accept it right? you appreciate it. you take care of it you value it right You take advantage of it? yes and I know that's one of those things like you don't want to take something for take advantage of something but you do God created these things for you to enjoy and to learn from and to experience and it's just a taste of what's in heaven. I'm not saying all this will be there. But all the but if, if this is what he's doing with the beauty of the earth, imagine what the beauty of the heavens look like. So yes, take advantage of it, but don't take it for granted. And that is a difference. And I'm going to have to use that church word, stewardship. Stewardship. Being a good steward of God's creation is more than putting your trash in a receptacle or not letting something blow out of your truck bed. Okay, that is just, that's just the basis. But it's picking up the trash that others are careless with. And literally and figuratively. It's more than just appreciating beautiful scenery, but it's marveling at the ordinary of creation as well. Remember what the word "marvel" meant when we looked at the biblical meaning. It means to inspire wonder and curiosity. If you're marveling at God's creation, you're not just going, "Oh, that's nice." You're saying, "Wow! I want to know more, and I want to know why, and I want to, and I want to really deeply appreciate." And that's why there, there are people with. Fantastic hobbies from everything, from rocks to birds to everything like that because there's so much to know and enjoy and if that's, not your, if that's not your thing, just know that there's so much complexity to what God created for you to enjoy that you could just sit there and wonder and wonder and wonder about all of it so why not be a good steward and appreciate it and care for it and value it So I suggest you respond to God's gift of creation by being appreciative. Thank you, God. You know, we said that this morning. What a beautiful day. Thank you, God. You respond to God's gift of creation by being good stewards. And you respond to God's gift of creation by glorifying Him. How do you do that? Well, we began this message by reading from the first book in the Bible, Genesis. And we're going to look at the very last book, what it says, from Revelations. Says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. All creation glorifies God. Now we have the ability to do something that points people to God. You know, consciously do this. The trees glorify God. They're beautiful, they're magnificent, they're a miracle. And they glorify God. How much more responsibility and ability do we have to do the same glorify we don't glorify God by trying to improve his glory we don't try to make things more glorious yes. but we see and we savor and we show glory we, we reflect the beauty of creation of which we're a part we are a part of the creation so to partially answer one of the questions we posed last week where will you experience God here, in his creation first. And then again, someday in the other part of the creation where he dwells, and this faith you will be joining him and others who received his gift of grace. And I decided to keep this week's message short. Um, before you get excited about the extra seven minutes, you're about to get back in your day. I want you to be good stewards of this time. This is a challenge. I want you to intentionally notice three things of creation. Give thanks to them by name. And consider ways to be a good steward of what you find. And I don't want you to take even one more minute. I don't want you to take one more minute of your time to tell you about God's creation. I want you to go, go and experience and discover it for yourself and experience God's work today. Is there any doubt the miraculousness of what he's created for us? Next week we're going to talk a little bit more about the things he's created, which include us. And maybe we'll answer that question that everybody wonders, why? Why are we here? Why are we here? And I'll give you a hint. It's about glory, not ours. But there's—it's a good message, and I'm not saying because I'm delivering. I mean, there is good news in what God has done for you through you. Let's pray, Father God. You have stitched us together miraculously, Father God. You have put this world away together in a way that is so. Marvelous and complex. That here we are so much later in time and, and we're still discovering the way things work and the way things can be used to do other things to make life easier and better and safer and healthier. And Lord, as we're facing struggles of all kinds right now from, from social unrest to, to health crisis, God, there are things in this world you've created for us to put together you make this world a better place, more like the heaven that we will experience someday. So God, let us focus on being good stewards of recognizing the blessing of your creation, marveling at it in awe, of being appreciative of it, of glorifying you through it. God, as we go about our days, let us not waste one moment not appreciating all that you've done for us. God, and, and some of that experience starts here in this building, but it certainly does not end. There is a world out there full of magnificence, of, of people who are amazing creatures that you've made, that you call us to love and accept. Father God, as we leave this place, let us do so with a changed perspective on the world around us. And for each encounter we have with your creation, let us experience you in a very unique and special way. And God, as always, I want to conclude with this prayer for the empty places in the pews here this morning. Whether people seek you here or seek you elsewhere, may people continue to seek you and find you. May we be a part of the process you use to minister, to reach people and point them towards you. God, we have a hope and a salvation thanks to the original gift that you gave us, and that is the gift of love, compassion, and, and mercy through your Son. May we always be reminded of that magnificent gift as well. Amen.